Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Be a Warrior Podcast. I'm your host and an above-knee amputee, Angie Huser. It's that time once again to unleash the warrior within you. Are you ready? Then let's get started. Well, hey everyone, welcome back. Yes, I am back in my home, finally, but actually heading out again. There is a lot going on this fall. And as you can see, I am literally dressed because I was just with my horse and needing a little bit of that downtime with her. I have missed her with all the travel and I hope you've kept up um, with where we've been, where I've been, what we've been doing as a family and, um, and hopefully seeing how you know, there's so much out there for us as amputees to actually get out and do and not be afraid to do it. Like the whole goal of my podcast was to show people that if you became an amputee, that you could go out and live a really great, very full life. And I'm really hoping, even if you're not an amputee and you're listening, that you understand no matter what you're going through in life, that you too can live a really good life. Mindset totally matters. And yes, there are bad days, but that doesn't mean that I stay in those bad days. I just know that they're coming. And when they're not here, I enjoy everything I can. And I still have the same things that everybody else goes through and the issues of way too many dishes and meals to get on the the table and taking care of our dog and you know, getting the groceries and the laundry done. So there's all those normal daily activities as well. But it's kind of ironic. If you're new to this show, I just want you to know that I am an above knee amputee. I have been, it'll be almost five years. It's about five years and two weeks. In in two weeks, it'll be five years that I elected to um, take my leg off above the knee and um, live a brand new life as an amputee. Um, but this podcast started right out of that, almost about a year out of that, I decided that it was time to kind of document my personal journey in hopes that something in each one of these podcasts is a nugget of inspiration or hope or a way to empower someone to push through the hard times, whether it's a medical issue, a physical or mental issue, or if it's an amputee. Um, issue. And literally, I try very hard to make this about amputees. But the more I do it, the more people respond back to me that they're not an amputee, but they liked this or that or whatever. So here I am. Now, third season is coming to a wrap, maybe one or two more episodes before I call it quits for the holidays to enjoy my family and completely be in the moment and very present with my family. But What I told you guys last week, which believe it or not, gosh, it seems like it was long, uh, shorter than this, but last week I did my episode out in Boston and was so stoked because it was my very first solo trip as an amputee um, from my home to our airport here in Phoenix, big airport to all the way to Boston, getting out of Boston, trying to find my way around after getting my luggage and lugging you know, I pack big. (laughs) So big, huge bag on one side, roller and medical bag on the other side and trying to navigate 
um, outside with Uber and the cold weather and everything as I got there in the evening. And us Phoenicians are not used to that cold weather. At least I used to be, but now I'm not anymore. But I was in, in Boston this past week and I said I would be on this week to let you know how things went. Now, I will say this, but there's a lot that I cannot talk about because what I was doing is a study for a student, a PhD student trying to get a type of prosthetic eventually out into the market. But it's really interesting how they have to go about those steps. So before I go into that really quick, um, I just want you to know that being back, um, just being happy that it's a beautiful sunny day. It's really actually very warm here. I see places getting snow and we are in the 70s and it's like, ah, I'm like, I'm ready for the cold. Um, but with that being said, if you are new, um, this, this show is really about just how you navigate life and how I've been navigating life in hopes that maybe that'll help you. Like I said, five years coming up here, elective surgery after five years of my knee not wanting to be fixed um, after a karate accident in 2013. And so this is where I'm at. And I have to say that it was the best decision of my life. Um, I understand why I had to go through five years of surgeries and effort and just trying my hardest to um, get past all the stuff that was happening in hopes that I would fix myself through PT and, and inspiration and, you know, go get attitude, but it didn't happen and was left really with no choice except do absolutely nothing the rest of my life, literally, because I came back with a blood clot. So I wasn't walking or biking or hiking anymore. I couldn't ski. I couldn't do rides at you know, amusement parks, Disney, Universal with my family because my leg wouldn't bend enough to get into rides and then went off on a trip and came back with a blood clot. And I'm like, I can't die on a plane. And that was the moment I decided to amputate. So that is a whole nother, and I'm sure I've talked about it in one of my other podcasts. But as we come to an end of um, season three and another year um, as we close up, I don't even know how it became December so quickly, right? I thought it was just amazing. The timing was really hard because I have been traveling, but I got an opportunity to be a part of a gate study in Boston at MIT. And um, the science teacher and me, yes, I taught science back in the day before I had kids, um, and the complete science nerd and the one who always wants to ask the questions. As I went through PT, I learned all about my leg because I wouldn't let a PT work with me unless I could get some questions, answer on what they were doing, why they were doing, what they were hoping for the outcome. Well, this was like the highlight of my year is to be able to be on MIT campus um, with really brilliant people, meet the professor who created a powered ankle for his his own amputations that he went through and as a rock climber Dr. Hugh Herr got to meet him which was the pinnacle of the trip even though that was the first few moments of me walking into their lab and then finding out all the stuff I'd be doing for three solid days with them 
Now you're supposed to have five years of experience on your prosthetic and use no apparatus to help you around. No crutches, no canes, no walkers, no nothing. You wear your leg, you use your leg, you're active. Even though I didn't have five years quite, they were impressed with the things I did do, so they called me in. And I will tell you that anything less than what I was able to do would have been tough. I mean, I struggle with some of the activities I had to do. Now, I tell you at the very beginning that there is a lot that I can't talk about, even though I really want to do like a Q&A. I have to wait, they said, till spring when this student pulls all the data together, creates his PhD um, paper, pres presents it, and then it's accepted and he gets his PhD. Then I can share with you detail. But what I did find out was when a university owns a property that they're creating and inventing, like this uh, prosthetic, um, there is a lot of competition out there now. So no pictures can go up on, on what their leg looked like on me because I got to try it on. I can't talk about what it does or how it really works, but I can tell you some of the things I did because what I had to do was baseline stuff, what I could do with my leg. And so I could talk a little bit about that, but you're going to have to wait till the spring for me to actually go into detail or to show you. I cannot wait to upload video of what I've done as long as I'm still okay to do that by then. And I will double check that because I do not want to ruin my chances of going back and doing some more work with them. And I do know that this prototype will not be ready for market for a while. And when it does, it's the property of the university first and foremost, and then the students that helped create it, design it, and refine it. But it's been really cool. I think they said they started this prototype in 19 and are still working on it and building on it. Um, it is, I will tell you, completely different than what I have. Um, it was heavy, but that's just because they're still refining, right? You first get the, you get the nuances of it down before you start trimming the fat, so to speak. So I had to work on that, but I will tell you, there's pictures I put up that I could do where I had a hat on and a vest on and my leggings on, and I had all these little dots all over me, which I totally geeked out on. It was so cool. I could see myself, like it was like a green screen where you could see the dots moving, like in a movie when they're making movies for animatronic type stuff. And so I was doing some dancing and some arm movement and leg movement and everything, watching myself on a screen, which was the total dork and geek in me, but loved it. Then um, there were things I had to do. Obviously, with a science experiment, you have to have some baseline. And I believe this study had a, a good, a, just a small handful of people in it. And I was towards the end, like they've been doing this since June, which is crazy because I was on campus in July. My family had gone to Boston for the first time in 20 some years in July. And I went to go to their media lab to, to see what they were doing. And it was pouring rain, so we didn't make it in. But they were actually still, they were working on this, this PhD's uh, program and uh, study. So I could have gone in then, but I digress because it was awesome to go back this time and not only do something so unique, but also to see what I could do traveling alone. And I know for, like I said, for a lot of people, that's like, yeah, big deal. One, as an amputee, 
um, that has two big strapping young men for sons and a husband who wants to do everything for me because he is chivalrous and it is not dead. Um, I don't usually take my bags, carry my bags and everything because I'm focused on just walking through a large airport. And so for me, calling an Uber, that's usually my husband, what he does, getting um, to the airport and dropped off, checking my bag, getting to the gate. I'm always with someone getting to the bathroom, getting over to where I'm supposed to be checking myself in. My husband like literally does all this for me normally. And then once you get off navigating around, I haven't been to the Boston airport, but once in the last 20 years, and that was a few months ago. So a lot of it looked familiar, but I was still, I didn't know where the Uber was. We always rent a car. So there was a lot of newness, but it was really, really cool. But it was also freeing. Like, I know I'll always have my husband with me and my kids when we travel. They'll be there often until they become their own family men and they're doing their own thing with their family. But um, it's good to prove to yourself that you have what it takes to make it. You know, uh, you don't know what the future holds. And, you know, God forbid that I'm ever left alone. Um, someday as an amputee I've, i have to know that i have the um the know-it-all and the confidence and the independence to do the things i need to do to survive and thrive right because we don't want to just make it through we want to really live so i felt like i was really living and i was on cloud nine so the things that we had to do as a science project let's just call it a science project you always have to have some sort of baseline for your subjects. So they had to do a lot of testing with me on what I could do with my own leg. Could I sit to stand and stand to sit? And what did it look like? Could I walk on the treadmill at different levels? Could I go upstairs? How did I go upstairs? Some of you might have a prosthetic that does that. It can, if you hit your knee or your hip the right way, you can get up to the next step. For me, it's more like I step with my good leg and my prosthetic goes to that same step, one by one, next leg and up. So I go, I don't go step over step, I go step to step, step to step, step to step. On the way down, I can ride it down, that's not a big deal. So we did a lot of that. Um, I put, put in some miles on the treadmill, I learned to dodge things, um, but really it was a lot of how strong of a person would I be? And then it took the rest of that first afternoon just to set their leg up with my socket and my foot because the foot they had on it was a men's like size, I think 11 shoe or 10 shoe. And I probably would have tripped on myself just because the shoe was about an inch longer than my normal one. So we had to do all that, which took time because you have to have the right, you know, angle. So the knee bends correctly. You have to have the right height and uh, from your ankle to your shoe and everything so that your two legs match up. Then we had to make sure my hips were straight. It was all this whole thing. By the end of day one, I was exhilarated and excited. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to get back to the hotel. It was like my first meal alone. I'm sitting there, I had a, a wonderful drink and a great flatbread and just sat there and just was in awe that this is where my journey has taken me. Now, stepping back, like when you're in the moment and you're thinking, wow, I will tell you that number one, I would do everything in my life 
exactly as I've done it so far. There's nothing I would change. Uh, people have asked, would you have taken karate if you knew you'd get hurt like this? Yes. Would you still do all those surgeries you did? Yes. Would you do the amputation? Emphatically, yes. I mean, I am living more now than I did through all those years of surgery and um, and and being able to do nothing. Like I'm back to living my life the way I choose to live it. Instead of something dictating it for me, I get to live it. Now, with all that being said, I can't tell you how many times joy has entered my heart for the things and the people I have seen, experienced, places I've gone that I would never have dreamt of. So the complete science nerd in me still can't believe that I was a part of an MIT study and that they want me back for other studies. There's a couple other people I've met and they're getting their PhDs and I'm like, call me. I, I would be more than happy to come out and do this again. It was epic. Like the dream come true. Never in a million years would someone have told me, let's say 10 years ago, did you know that you're going to become an amputee and you're going to be on MIT doing some study work? I would never have dreamt that. So it's just another moment. There's several things along the last five years that if someone had told me this, I would have had to pinch myself because I would never have guessed that this is where I would be. So that being said, the next day I get up, I'm a little more tired um, on a two hour time change, right? Getting up, it's cold, cold, cold. I mean, for me, it was 29 degrees in the morning and I was walking from my hotel to the Starbucks to get some warm oatmeal and then over about um, a seven minute walk to the lab. So I didn't, I had gloves, but I didn't want to wear them. So I was holding my coffee, but it was cold, but it, it felt great, right? You get there and we started up the next day and the next day was truly the stuff that I can't really talk about, which just kills me. I want to show, share with you guys so much what I did. Um, but I got to work with their their prosthetic that they've been refining and refining since about 2019. And it's probably got a few more years before it could actually go to commercial market. Um, so it's really exciting to be a part of this. What I can tell you, and I really think this is so, so, so important for A, amputees, and B, people that are thinking that this might be part of their future. Um, some people will know that, hey, amputeeism is kind of been brought up by my doctor, that I'm a candidate, but I'm not sure. All I can tell you is even since five years ago when I got my first leg, which is the same leg I still have now, just a new version, the changes in prosthetics has already improved. Like the fact that what my leg is, if I want to get the nicer version, but insurance won't cover, um, can be completely submerged in water. Mine can get wet, but I don't swim in it. I don't get a shower in it. I take it off. So there is that component already that's different than when I got my leg. Now those aren't important to me because I've never had it. And quite frankly, swimming with my leg on is way too heavy. I'd rather be totally free. Taking a shower, I want to wash my residual limbs, so I really don't want my leg on. So I'm not dying for it. I'm not like, oh man, I wish I could get it, but it's there. 
now there's legs that can get that step and get raised up over to the next step. So there's that. Quite frankly, the amount of times I take stairs in a lifetime, it's not that important. I need to learn patience and that's what it takes to go upstairs for me is patience. Um, sometimes it's humbling, especially at a in a stadium, at a concert or a sporting event when I have to go up one at a time um, because everyone gets a nice, slow, wonderful look at me going up the stairs. It's good. But um, head down and, and trucking on is just what you do. But I will tell you this, from what I've seen and what students are creating and universities are working on, the future is so bright for amputees. Like if I can do what I do in this leg, imagine in five more, 10 more years, what things we'll be able to do with our legs on. So, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, totally incredible. And, and I am so honored and flattered to have had an opportunity to go do this and more so ecstatic at the chance of a callback to do and help other students reach their goals. And it's interesting because a couple of the other students that I met there, one master's going into his master's program, followed by his PhD in um, uh, biomechanics, but the other one, a PhD student in biomechanics. And I know what their two projects are, what they've been approved for. And I'm so excited. I want to go back and try what they're thinking about studying. Um, and I can tell you right now, it is incredible. The, the imagination in the ingenuity of these young people is incredible. And um, only beautiful, bright futures for us amputees are coming. So if you are an amputee or you are about to, or you think that might be something you're toying with, but you're afraid, there are some amazing things already out there, but it's, it's, it's like computers. It's going to exponentially boom here in the next five to 10 years. So, you know, just stay the, the, the course and know that there's the sky's going to be the limit here in, in a short, short time. So that was my trip to Boston. And um, like I said, it really was a dream come true for me. I feel completely blessed to have another, another thing that I can say I've done in my life, like a bucket list thing that has just, it means so much to me. And I hope that they know that. Um, I'm going to be tagging the MIT Media Lab on this. And if you guys are listening it was a blast and an honor. And when I say honor, you know, as a teacher, I believe in helping the younger generation to learn through doing. And even though these kids were like my kids' ages, not my sixth graders I used to teach, it, it's still awesome to know that I was a part of helping them reach that degree their degree they were reaching for, the PhD. And to say that I was a part of that study and that data is so incredibly amazing. And so um, I just, I feel so blessed to be able to have that a part of my holiday time. I never thought in a million years I'd be able to get out during this time of year. It's been absolutely crazy with us traveling so much. We leave soon for Park City. I'm skiing this weekend. I can't wait. 
Um, but I also know I have a thousand things to do here for Christmas that I haven't even started on. And so I wanted to reach out. I want you to know what is up and what's coming from the perspective of what I saw this past week in Boston. There is incredible um, bounds being made in the prosthetic world. And it's just a matter of time for it to come out. And I know that this is a very competitive very competitive field and so everything has to be hushed hush so I really thought I was gonna be able to talk about more of the things um, that I was able to do but I'm not allowed to address those so I will digress you will all have to be patient and wait till the spring and I will do a part two on the MIT visit when I have been given the clearance to do that so now we move on as we wrap up this podcast and we start getting wrapped up for the the holiday season and the new year um, I still want to throw out the call to action to challenge yourself the call to action the last couple weeks has been the challenge fierce and on fire it is for anybody and everybody it is a virtual challenge you do it at your own pace your own time in your own location um, if you want the medal, because that's what I use a lot to put that little carrot in front of me to accomplish my goals, um, it is an epic looking medal. Um, it's on Run Motivator's website. Fierce and on fire is the challenge. It's 100 miles. But here's the best part. What I have learned through virtual challenges is anybody can do it. You do not have to be a runner, nor do you have to be ably walking you can get it doing whatever it is you do to keep yourself mentally and physically strong. So if you are like wheelchair ridden, you're stuck there, do an upper body workout because I know that if you're moving the wheelchair, your shoulders get tired. So you want to protect them. And how do you protect them? You build them up. So you do that type of stuff with bands. You can do band workouts. 15 minutes of working out is worth a mile. If you can do a hand cycle, do that. If you can do a, a recumbent bike or a real bicycle outside, do that. If you want to walk it, you can. Hike it, swim, ski, uh, surf, whatever it is. If you can't do, if you can't calculate the miles because it's not a walk or a run or a swim, you can do it by minutes. So a 15 minute exercise, give yourself a mile. So every 15 minutes. So yesterday I went to the gym with my boys before they went back to school and I did like very hardcore workout, so sore today for over an hour. And so I will give myself four miles because an hour is broken up into four and four 15 minute segments. And so I have four miles yesterday. Plus I actually got on the treadmill, hate treadmills with a passion. So for me to say I was going to get on for five minutes at the end of my workout and I did six, score. That is huge for me because I really do hate the treadmill. I, I need to be outside. I need to have the wind in my hair. I need to feel the street under my feet or hiking the, the rocks. But that's what I was at and I thought challenge yourself. And that for me, that's more the mental game than it is the physical game. So that is my call to action still for you. Can you make 100 miles before December 31st? The reason I do this is I will tell you right off the bat in January, I do not believe in New Year's resolutions. I actually did a whole podcast on that because New Year's resolutions tend to fall flat after a year, like maybe even a month of trying, you start to realize life takes over and you choose 
the chaos of life versus your own physical well-being and those resolutions go out the window and you'll say I'll get back to it someday and then you look at yourself and you're like oh my gosh it's December again and I totally lost last year's resolutions. So don't do New Year's resolutions. Start now. Create a habit now because if you can do it during the craziness of the holidays, January will be a breeze to continue. Plus you will find that you have so much extra time to do it. But if you can get out at least a half an hour a day, that that's that's like two miles a day, really. Um, if you're doing the exercise portion, 15 minutes to a mile. If you can get two miles in a day. Now, I understand that when I first brought this up, there was plenty of time to get 100 miles in. But I will tell you, I'm on my second set of 100 miles after everything I've done. And I will also track my skiing mileage when I start skiing this week. So... Can you do it? Are you with me? Join me in this challenge and start, start, end this year in a positive note so you can continue versus starting in January, if that makes sense. So I hope that you can do this with me. I hope that you are doing well and that you are um, getting through um, the holiday um, craziness and the holiday busyness. Um, to the best of your ability, but please, please, please carve out some time for yourself. And I say that, I'm looking at myself in the video, I'm saying that to me because I don't tend to do that for myself. So that's the reason I actually went and I sat with my girl, I braided her hair, I will put that on my podcast notes. Um, I was braiding her hair this morning and I just sat on the ground and watched her eat and wander over to her boyfriend across the fence and and it was just, that was my time. Even though it wasn't totally physically active when I was sitting, it was my time. And so I hope you find time for you. Make time. You are so very important. You are so very special. And when we can be physically active, then our mental and emotional state is elevated. And then we tend to live a longer, healthier life. So you want to be here for your friends, your family, your spouse, your children, as long as you possibly can. So get out there and get active 30 minutes a day. That's all it takes to keep start something. Then you are, you're going to find that you're craving more. 30 minutes won't be enough time. Then you'll be doing an hour, an hour and a half. So get active, stay active and uh, ring in this new year already on the wagon. So I hope you're doing well. I hope you have a blessed rest of your week. And as always, be healthy, be happy, be you.